Before we jump into the show, I have a little project that I've been working on for you all. It's called How She Grew. I'm collaborating with a few other influencers you probably know, and together we are gathering 35 of the top female entrepreneurs. We are pulling back the curtains, so to speak, and getting them to talk through exactly how they built their businesses. The goal is for you to fast track your growth doing something you love by learning from the people who are steps ahead of you. So if you're confused about social media growth or email lists, maybe you want to sell your own product, maybe you want to coach people online, you'll get to learn all the juicy details from from the people who have been doing this for years. And we're also including a resource guide, a private Facebook group, and notes along with the virtual training. So maybe you're interested in starting a business. Maybe you have a side hustle. Maybe you have a business and you're just not sure what your next step should be. This is for you. I've already learned so much and I'm already completely changing some of my systems and strategies in my business for the better. Everyone I have interviewed has said, wow, I'm so glad you're doing this because... I wish I had this when I was starting out. And honestly, this that is the catalyst for why I decided to do this with some of my other collaborators. It was like, I have learned so much from people who are steps ahead of me, and I want to provide that to other people. So How She Grew will be available October 24th, 2022. To learn more and get access to this complete package of virtual trainings, resources, and more, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com slash grew. Our goal is to provide affordable and accessible mentorship for women, no matter where you're at. So again, that's coconutsandcuttlebells.com slash G-R-E-W. It launches October 24th, but it's available for purchase now. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 396. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettleballs.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, author sexy by nature founder of health to empower.com the og paleo for women blogger and she is a phd and also getting more phds you know doing stephanie things um today we're going to be talking about some fun things uh first of all post-stress fatigue and if that's a thing and how to really support your body after you've gone through maybe a, a very stressful event or, or trauma of some sort. We're also going to be talking about safe exercises to strengthen your core, particularly for someone who has chronic back pain, what to do in those situations. Um, I've been there, done that. So I'm just going to talk through some of you know my processes and how I got myself out of chronic pain. And interestingly enough, we're going to be talking about things that we wish we knew before we first changed our food and exercise way back in the day. And, and also maybe some common mistakes that we see people make. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. How's it going? It's, you know, it's going, it's going, it's going, <laughs> it's going. Um, I'm we're back in the States together. It's pretty fun for a hot minute. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'm, it feels, it feels really good to be here. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) It's really good. I got back from France. I was like, uh, 
people who it feels speak really the good. language. It feels really, yeah, it feels really good to be um, a lot of places. And maybe it's really good for me that I kind of, you know, spend some time here, spend some time there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's great. My family is fantastic. I'm so lucky and happy to be with them. So good. Um, and you're in the States now for a wedding, right? Lots of things. Uh, yesterday I sold my car. Uh, because I am moving to France for the time being. I sold my car. I'm going to a wedding to pick up my visa, get to chill with the fam. Yeah. So Mm. that's a great stuff. How does it feel being like, are you, because I know you're trying to learn a (laughs) a new language, which can feel like a lot. And that's what you've been focusing on the last few weeks. Is that kind of been stressful to you? Is it, has it been frustrating to you to not be able to communicate clearly and efficiently with the people around you? It can be the thing that it is. So I've actually decided that I'm not going to pour a ton of my resources and time into like actually mastering the French language because I have so many other things going on that I have to be prioritizing and much of them happen in English. So um, I'm hopefully going to be able to absorb without stressing about doing it in a certain timeline. That being said, I do find it quite, uh, it's emotionally and mentally exhausting actually to be constantly like you have a thing you want to say, and then you have to try to figure out how you can say with the words that you know. And it's just, um, it can be quite exhausting. And it is difficult because I know that if I were in in a place where I spoke the language, I, I know what I would be saying with to people and how I would be interacting in the social day. And I know I have like techniques, like I have ways that I socialize that I can't use, right? And so I, I have to lean into some other things and that's, that's totally okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. And there's a lot of people there who are like, I like working on my English. And I'm like, I like working on my French. So then we have conversations that are like half and half and it's fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I always say is, I'm so sorry, my French is terrible. And yeah. then like that lays a great foundation for me starting to talk with people because they're, you know, um, sympathetic about that. And mm-hmm. um, everybody has been so friendly and helpful. So it's great. How are you dealing with the stress of traveling? Because um, I'm getting ready for a, a vacay, yeah. <laughs> which we are recording some of these in advance because there's a lot going on in the next month. And traveling with children's a little bit different, but I will say I'm even doing a non-travel trip in September. I'm going to Austin and I am already sort of trying to like gear myself up to get ready for like okay, the flights and, and staying in a new place and having like, trying to find food. Like it's a lot, you know, you come, I come home from trips and I'm like wiped out. So how do you manage the post travel, like stress and fatigue? The big problem for me with traveling is headaches, uh, because there's a lot of circumstances I can't control light fragrance, what have you. Um, Mm. it's quite typical for me to get headaches when I travel, although I've been on a journey with all that and getting a lot better at it. Um, for me, traveling is like, look, <laughs> there's a lot of things out of my control and there is so much that I can do to plan in advance. And if it's really important to me, I'm going to do it right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to make sure I have pain meds. I'm going to make sure I take like supplements that might be helpful the night before, whatever. Like I do what I can to set myself up to make sure that I'm like as pain-free and healthy as possible. And then I go and then it's like every moment I just have to be like chill with where I am. 
Um, one major change I made super important is I got rid of a backpack and started using a rolly because walking around with a backpack on is so stressful, especially when I get headaches from wearing backpacks. So like pro oh, tip, yeah. like embrace the wheelie. Like I can't even begin to tell you what a huge, huge change that it's made for my travel. Like I've just like intrinsically having and you, your backpack's always so heavy. Like I know just, you just stuff everything in there, everything. And I would carry a duffel in a backpack and I'd be like, I'm tough. And blah, 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 blah. like, nobody cares if I have a backpack <laughs> or a wheelie, nobody cares. I'm never going to see these people again. So here's my pro tip invest in a wheelie. And then you can have like a stand-up purse that you put on your wheelie and it's easy to rifle through. And I travel alone. When you travel with people, you can leave your bag with them and go mm-hmm. to the bathroom. All right. But I got to get that. I got to get all my bags into a bathroom stall. Anyway, <laughs> the key to like being fine with traveling is just to be like totally okay with where you are at any given point in time. Recently, like I had to walk fast to the train station in Lyon catch it at 6am. And I, obviously I went to sleep at like one. So 6am, obviously, obviously. And then, <laughs> and then I had a two hour train to Paris and then to take the subway to the airport and Charles de Gaulle airport. It's just like nuts. And then like, and then a 10 hour flight to Dallas and I'm in Dal- Dallas, Fort Worth is also nuts. And then a four hour layover and then a three hour oh flight gosh. to Detroit it was nuts. But like, again, I, I was quite peaceful about it the whole time. Cause you're just, you're where you are. Turns out that when I took the Paris subway, there's a special ticket you're supposed to get. If you go to the, like the airport and I like, didn't know that. Cause there's no signs that say that. So I got slapped with a fine. Cause there was like an imposing guard at the door. And I like, what am I going to do? Am I going to freak out about it? No, I'm just like, take a deep breath and be like, all right, like, okay, like fine. You know? And there's a huge queue and I'm like, okay, fine. I'm standing there with my Roly. I'm chilling. I'm listening to my favorite <laughs> tunes. I got time. Tunes. Like I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Like, it's a great exercise, I think, for just being able to be like, I'm chill and whatever comes. If something urgent arises, I am confident that I can manage the urgency. But mm. other than that, like, I'm chill. I'm at the hotel. I can't find the food I want, but there's hot pockets in the lobby. Like, fine. You know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I do what I can, but at the same time, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's wonderful yeah. for that sort of thing. I don't know if that's helpful for you at all, but definitely the Roly Pro tip. That's high on my list. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of chill in me. Um, <laughs> and so I really have to work. A nice in- opportunity to practice. <laughs> opportunity to practice. Yeah. Um, about that. Um, no, I agree. I, I do think you just have to live in the moment. You have to expect it and you have to plan. And really what I, what, what gives me the most balance is, you know, I am extra, but that's okay. I, I bring my own food and yep. I have sufficient food for the plane. Cause nobody wants to be hangry, hangry on a plane. You're already annoyed. What I mean is so many times we've got caught circling an airport cause we can't, you know, we're not, we're not cleared to land and, you know, another hour goes by. So just bring food. Like we're going to bring our whole breakfasts, you know, on our flights, um, because we are leaving so early, I am going to have plenty of snacks and I'm going to have, you know, fresh food and stuff like that too. So, but just easy to eat stuff, whatever, you know, bars and stuff like that. So, um, I, I really find that as if you are (laughs) well-fed unintended, if you are well-fed and you, um, have things to do, like, you know, for me, I'm thinking about entertainment for my kids, but even, you know, Mm -hmm. I bring my computer so that I, if I have, if I get stuck somewhere or whatever, I have extra stuff that I could work on or a book to read or whatever. Um, it all works out. So 
Yeah. yeah I would also like, you know, um, something that I think about a lot is how adjusted to comfort we are, you know, and I think a lot about 400 years ago, cause I go across the Atlantic all the time. And when people used to go across the Atlantic, like they might die. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. They might die. And they would, it would be like six weeks of like being seasick and eating oh, God. dried meat and maybe dying from scurvy. Cause there's no vegetables and like, yeah, you know, and you like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, like, and now I fly across the Atlantic and it's like, oh no, my flight's 10 hours instead of nine. Yeah, and I'm yeah. in a chair in the sky and I'm watching Tom a Holland on high chair death. in the sky. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, no. watching, I'm watching Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg flex and <laughs> in 4d. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And so like, I might have a little bit of a headache, but at the same time, like I'm in a chair in the sky, you know, yeah. and that like that kind of, you know, even if I'm uncomfortable, like, but that's, that's okay because I'm not on a ship in a storm and, mm-hmm. you know, with like feces, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, some people kind of poo poo on like, oh, well, then I get it. You don't have to invalidate the struggle of your experience, right? Like to, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. But I personally like doing that. I like having these reality checks or just putting things into perspective. Like, I may struggle with my kid at night, putting her to bed or this, this travel may be hard, but you know what? It could be a lot worse. And truthfully, it could be, <laughs> and it could you be know, so much worse. We, we are in, you know, there, we have so much to be thankful for. We are incredibly blessed in so many ways. And so I like in general, those kind of exercises because it, it keeps me grounded and rooted and thankful and grateful as opposed to always looking to what's wrong. Yes. I, as a general rule, every minute of every day, I'm trying to pivot towards what I can appreciate. You know, it's not mm-hmm. always easy, but at the same time, like the alternative is being unhappy with, with, with your circumstance. So I'd rather find yeah, a way to yeah. be happy with my circumstance. Yes, exactly. It's a personal preference. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Okay. You ready to jump into the first question? I'm super hyped for this question. Question number one is from Rachel. She says, Hey, all just wondering if post-stress fatigue is a thing. I had a few days of pretty much running on adrenaline and I'm feeling so tired this week. No matter how much I sleep, I can't shift the feeling. Yes, it is absolutely a thing. Our systems in our bodies, all of them, all of them, um, operate in feedback loops and cycles you know, like things are rising and falling, your energy, your hunger, your thirst, you satisfy, you dissatisfy, you satisfy, you dissatisfy, you come up, you come down. Like that is the human experience. Like, you know, and so in particular, like in periods of stress, there's a lot of parts of your body that are like up, you know, they're running up. And then when the adrenaline like flushes out and your body peaks around, it's like, all right, can we like take a breather here for a second? You're going to like whoosh, you know? And sometimes like that, sometimes that can be quite prolonged. It can be quite heavy. Uh, I had this one experience 17 years ago, back in high school, when I was like applying for colleges and like the day after I got all my acceptance letters, you'd think that I would have been like, yeah, but I was like, so like tired and sick. And it lasted for weeks because I, my body was just finally like whoosh. And then all the, all the systems were like that. So, um, 
And uh, Noelle and I have uh, previewed what we're going to discuss about this. And um, I know that she's going to talk about um, the adrenals and stuff. And so I want to talk about some research that I've been doing this week on neurochemistry, particularly about that uh, the chemical dopamine. Um, it's actually fascinating because we talked about... Um, satisfaction with food, I think in our most recent podcast, and they got me thinking a lot about reward. And then I happened upon this research on dopamine, which I'm doing for another project. <laughs> and I just saw so many of these pieces coming together. But what I want to talk about specifically related to stress is um, motivation and energy. All right. So we often think about dopamine as a reward molecule. Um, and it is right? Like we think of like, you get like hits of dopamine and there's like dopamine when you eat chocolate, you know, and, uh, and when you eat food, you like, there's always dopamine for that, but dopamine is also necessary for being motivated to get to those points of satiation or satisfaction, right? So it's like a classic experiment where there's like rats in a cage and they get dopamine or they get satisfaction when they eat food. Um, but then the rats that have no dopamine will not walk a few inches to go get food. Right. And so um, even though the food is satisfying to them, what they need the dopamine to sustain like effort. Right. And so dopamine is really highly associated with the ability to like get up and feel motivated to do things. Um, and I don't know much about like the neurochemistry of like depression. So I'm not going to like head into that. Right. But generally speaking, like in the flux of day to day things, dopamine is really important for, again, like energy and being motivated to get up and do things. And so when we're talking about big life events where you have to exert a lot of energy, like whether like um, the degree to which this stress is like feels good to you or not, like will impact like how much dopamine you're going through. But generally speaking, once an event is over, once you've accomplished the thing that you need to accomplish, once you've exerted like all that mental energy, like mental energy is a real thing. It's like chemical in your brain, right? Like it's a real thing. And once you've right. exhausted it, once you've gone through this period of stress, that is a demand on your whole system, but also your brain, like these chemical systems, they're going to do their ebb and flow and they're going to flow out. They're going to drain out. Um, and this is why, like after my PhD, I was like, whoa, like, what do I, I don't want to, what do I do? You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know? And so it often happens that when people get to the end of a long thing, a long week, a long month, they've achieved this big thing. Um, motivation like really drops off and energy drops off and maybe it's hard to get out of bed or, or what have you. Um, and this is precisely because of how like dopamine functions. Um, and so, but it will rise in these, in these intense periods and then fall. And that's a, that's a crash. And what do, what do you, what do you do with that when you're feeling really low and you're unmotivated? Um, and Noel will talk about like your adrenals and stuff, but in terms of this dopamine reset, um, some things you can do are, um, just wait, <laughs> just waiting is really important. Uh, you often just have to wait for these, uh, for this, uh, equilibration to come back online for your baseline to like come back up. Cause when you spike up and you come down, like you're going to come down, you're going to come down and then you get back to baseline. And in terms of maintaining your baseline motivation, like there are things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to help like support healthy levels of energy and motivation. And they involve mostly, I mean, obviously eating well and stuff, um, but also like making um, meaning turning towards gratitude and appreciation for your present circumstance, even though you're feeling lower than usual, even though you're lower energy, 
um, that can actually like help. Uh, and that is a thing that you can do all the time, not just in this present moment, but all the time to help your body, like support healthy dopamine production is like consistently be cultivating gratitude and appreciation for moments. Even speaking of like airplane struggles, like even in times of trial, um, if you're constantly thinking about how something is hard, but it'll be worth it in the end, it actually makes it harder for you to like appreciate and enjoy anything all of the time. Right. Because it, um, so constantly cultivating those like experiences, um, framing them in that way can be very, very helpful. Time obviously is very, very helpful. Um, chocolate actually has like helps with a little bit of a dopamine boost and it's quite quick. Um, but like it's, but it, it does, you know, and it, it, it's a little bit of a spike thing, but it can help, you know, it can help with that. Um, and actually caffeine has, um, has the ability to uh, open up like dopamine receptors a little bit, or like, you know, your body's response to dopamine, it doesn't cause dopamine to rise, but can help like facilitate the experience of it. Um, and I'm not recommending like doing caffeine to help you overcome stress because that could have an effect on your adrenals as well, but maybe some like, light green tea or something like that. Um, some yerba mate might have some nice dopamine effects. Um, so those are like some things that can help you sort of turn over like neurochemically. I'm going to hand it over to Noelle to talk about turnover other systems. I have the thing that will help you sleep or go back to sleep when you wake up in the middle of the night and it is 50% off. Yes, it's CBD oil and it is my go-to when I'm anxious, stressed, or my head is spinning in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. I love Feels CBD oil. I found Feels a little over a year ago. I started experimenting with it and it's given me so much peace now. Knowing that I have that if I wake up in the middle of the night and it will help me go back to sleep. Feels uses 100% organic MCT oil as the carrier oil to stabilize and increase CBD's bioavailability. Their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients and without the use of fillers, flavors, or unnecessary fluff. CBD oil naturally helps to reduce stress, anxiety, and pain, and sleeplessness. And the way it works is that CBD interacts with your endocannabinoid system. So just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin, we also have receptors for cannabinoids. And these receptors act like traffic cops to control the level and activity of neurotransmitters. It is not addictive and there are no psychoactive properties. It couldn't be easier to use. Just place a few drops under your tongue, hold it there, swallow. You will feel the difference instantaneously. The best way to get high-quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a Feels member. That gives you 30% off, which is huge. I'm a Feels member, and I have the 2,400 milligram bottle shipped monthly. Yes, I recently upped my dose. There's no shame in that. If you've tried CBD oil before and it didn't work, it's probably because you weren't taking enough. With our special code, you actually get 50% off your first order. So become a member today by going to feels.com forward slash wellfed, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. They also have CBD mints and you can subscribe to those as well and get a discount. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash well-fed to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Yeah, um, I did leave a, a, like on this question when she, when, uh, when Rachel asked this, I did leave the comment like, yes, 100%. This is absolutely a thing. Um, and the reason is if we consider our, our, our physiology and the function of our body 
stress is very, very demanding. It, it's the stress response is required for our survival for many reasons, because we need to be able to respond and manage and survive when under serious stress, whether that's a threat to our life um, or like a heavy mental and emotional burden. And all of the body's resources are put towards managing that stress, managing your body's response to that stress. And so it's very depleting, not just for your endocrine system and your hormones, but for your entire body. So this isn't just an adrenal thing, although that is obviously what, what is the catalyst and what support our adrenal glands support the stress response. Our adrenal glands produce cortisol and other really important hormones like adrenaline. And so it's not just about the adrenals though. It's about your entire body. So your entire body, you know, on a normal day, you may be driving the car like at 25 miles an hour and going through a very stressful time, whether it's, you know, mental and emotional trauma, physical trauma, injury, stuff like that. That's the car going at like 115 miles an hour. And so you're going to burn through a lot of your resources and your fuel a lot faster. So, and I also think that there's this really interesting, strong downstream effect. So temporary elevations in cortisol obviously require a lot of resources. So we need minerals like sodium and magnesium. We need substrates, fat soluble vitamins to make adrenal hormones and neurotransmitters. That also impacts other things in your body that your body desperately needs. So other functions are impaired like detoxification and your digestion and ovulation and your cycles. And we also know that stress downregulates your immune system and your sleep is often impaired because of what this chronic cortisol output does to your circadian rhythms. So that's your entire body, you know, being impacted by like a high, a high stress time. And so after chronic stress, we do know that cortisol baseline levels are elevated, which can result actually in the body's cortisol response to acute stress to be lessened. Um, we have talked about adrenal fatigue in quotations on here before. Really, it's just a dysregulation in the HPA axis. So your brain, there's a your brain is what tells your endocrine system to produce and your adrenal glands to produce more cortisol. And when you have a really high output of cortisol, your body can become that that whole system can become dysregulated, whether it's your brain telling your pituitary or pituitary telling your adrenal glands. And what they are thinking now is that it's kind of like, in some cases, it can cause cortisol resistance where your body stops actually responding to cortisol. So your say, you know, something like getting in an argument you know, three weeks after a really stressful event, it's not really like a huge stress, right? It's just an acute stress. But that sends you until it's into a tailspin because your body's not responding properly to cortisol. So you all of a sudden need the support from your body to manage this stress and it has nothing to give. I also want to mention minerals because I think this is really important. So sodium and potassium levels are primarily 
primarily controlled by the adrenal glands. So salt plays a really crucial role in metabolic function. We did a whole interview with Rob Wolf, which is very insightful. But even after that, there's more information that has come out about how crucial salt is to the stress response. So our entire body runs on the energy produced by little pumps called sodium potassium pumps. And the vast majority of chemical reactions in the body are dependent on, you know, having this, these adequate levels of both sodium and potassium. Our adrenal glands, some of you may have heard of this, they produce a hormone called aldosterone and aldosterone controls our ability to like hold on to salt or sodium to be more specific and excess levels of it leads to high blood pressure and low potassium, which is what occurs during high stress times. So what is stress doing? It's, it's raising your blood pressure. It's increasing your demand for salt. And therefore it's also can lead to low potassium. So our need for minerals, specifically salt and potassium increase during stress and new research. This just, I was kind of trying to, I was really trying to dig and see, do we have any information about what happens to aldosterone in response to stress? It does become elevated, but what's the, can we have any sort of like resistance over time? Some people do say that it can functions can decrease after a period of high stress time or the body stops responding to it. But there's interesting research that shows that elevated levels of sodium actually blunt the body's natural responses to stress by inhibiting stress hormones that would otherwise be activated in stressful situations. Again, elevated levels of sodium. It's not a huge, you're not, you know, I'm not talking about going and downing tablespoons of salt. I'm talking about having a slight elevation in sodium. And that is what blunts the body's stress response and it can inhibit it so that it doesn't take over. Um, And that's the, the study was talking about why, you know, at a bar, when you're nervous to talk to people, you may be more inclined to eat the salty nuts. (laughs) So they found that the people who ate had the higher salt intake had a lower stress response and lower anxiety. So anyway, I found that really interesting. If you aren't increasing, so what I think moving forward is, yes, we have to know that your body is, when it goes through a seriously stressful time, it's com- it's entirely depleting and you need to take the time that it takes for you to come back to baseline, to come back to normal. But I also think that we can do things that are preventative. So for example, when you're going through stressful times, take an element every day, guys. Like this is what I do. I, when, if I'm starting to get headachey or I know it's stressful and even if I'm not working out, I'm still taking element on a daily basis. Um, again, not eating processed salt, but eating high quality sources of salt. So increase your sodium, increase your mineral levels, especially if like stress makes you not eat that that's a huge, you know, that could be a huge problem. Um, so that you don't experience the burnout. Otherwise, and some of you may already have experienced this, you'll start to notice symptoms of low blood pressure over time and high pulse rate. Like if you're not supporting your body with the salt, if you're going through stressful times and you don't have adequate salt, that's when we see the low blood pressure. That's when we see, um, like dizziness, especially upon standing or lightheadedness upon standing and, and heart palpitations. So if we lose water, 
because that's what salt does. It helps, it helps us retain the water. We lose most of our blood volume. And if we lose that blood volume, we can become lightheaded and chronically dehydrated. And those two symptoms are so common with people who have this HPA axis dysregulation and sort of this like stress that's unmanaged and completely out of control. So, um, I think we, we need to be like, as a community, we could be a lot more proactive about salt, about minerals and about just making sure that we we're taking the time off that we need to sleep, to get out in the sunshine, to do some red light therapy, to say no, say no when asked to do things, how you respond to these acute stress situations. So how you respond to wow, I had a really stressful couple of weeks. Maybe it was a project. Maybe you got fired from your job, whatever. Like, wow, that was really stressful. Instead of pushing, pushing, pushing through it and saying, I'm not going to take my time. And even though I'm fatigued, I'm still going to get up and work out. That is what leads to the downward spiral of, you know, now I have hormone imbalances. Now I have chronic digestive issues. Now an autoimmune, my autoimmune symptoms or an autoimmune disease is being triggered or thyroid issues being triggered stop it before you get into that downward spiral and take the time off that you need. Stop thinking that you have to be in the gym or you need to be cutting calories or you got to be going or you got to say yes to this or you got to keep your normal schedule. If your body is feeling fatigued and you're feeling run down, that is a sign that you need to take some time off. You need to rest. You need to recover. And if you know that you just had a stressful situation, um, that's likely the cause. So you need to you know, take the time and recover. And honestly, I feel like that's, why I haven't gotten into, you know, stuck into any more severe situations and my health hasn't declined in a very long time is because I know now I don't have the pressure of, I've got to be in the gym. I got to keep losing weight. I've got to keep, you know, following my diet. And instead I've allowed my body to exist and for me to support it when it needs it, because health is not just you know, what are you doing in the gym and eating? It's taking care of your body. And sometimes that means stopping. Sometimes that means not being in the gym. Sometimes that means not exercising and not going and pushing and being productive, you know, as our society says. So any other thoughts from you? I do have a thought. Um, so when we're talking about electrolyte balance, I just want to flag for, uh, people in this community who might eat a ton of vegetables (laughs) that, um, vegetables are actually quite high in potassium. And when we're talking about sodium and potassium balance, uh, it, I have heard it talked about as a thing. And I think I have personally experienced it that, you know, often, so people eat low salt diets or feel like they need to eat low salt diets, according Mm -hmm. to like conventional wisdom. Um, and maybe what they could be doing is adding some more vegetables because the potassium would balance out the salt that's already in their diet. Right. Um, but for people who eat really high quantities of vegetables like me, (laughs) um, (laughs) I have to be, I have to be careful because I think, um, I think, I think I I need to add more salt because I am having a ton of potassium. So, uh, hydration is, is, uh, is a balance. Um, and I have actually, heard people talk about, and I don't know if it's true, but I've heard some influencers at some point in the past, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> um, talking about problems with electrolyte balance and dehydration amongst people who like overdo it with vegetables mm-hmm. or with salt, you know? So like, that's just a, you know, just a flag. If you're eating like pounds of kale a day, like some people on this recording, this podcast might occasionally do like, you know, something to keep in mind. 
<laughs> pounds of kale. Are we still doing that? Um, remember when all the kale memes were uh, like, you know, whatever kale effects and everywhere. Yeah. Um, glad we've moved on from that. Nothing against kale. I mean, it's fine. It just doesn't need to be in like every smoothie guys. Okay. Um, okay. Question number two is from Sarah. She says, this is a question for Nawal. I was wondering if you could recommend a few of the best, safest exercises to strengthen your core, particularly for someone with chronic back pain, old injuries. You've mentioned how you've struggled with back pain. So I'm hoping you can help. For background, my core has always been very weak. I had a C-section 19 years ago, plus made a terrible habit most of my life of sucking in my stomach and sitting in a way that I felt hid my stomach. But in reality, I was just weakening everything. Yes. Yes. I love that you, you had this realization. Um, I have also, I have so many thoughts about that. I've also struggled with poor posture, which no doubt is related rounded shoulders, exaggerated, uh, lower back curve. I am past the body issues now, thankfully, and understand the importance of a strong core and good posture. I have an old injury and degeneration of my lower spine. I've been to a PT, which frankly didn't help much found more help online. My back pain is currently under control, but I can't do Pilates, certain yoga poses, or any exercise that involves lying flat on my back because of my incredibly weak core doing exercises like planks are just more than I can handle at this point. If you can recommend any beginner level, think elderly woman who has never tried to strengthen her core before level, LOL. I would be so grateful. Thank you. Hard heart. I'm sure you have some thoughts. Uh, I, I actually don't have a lot of thoughts. I will just throw out there generally, generally about um, core exercises. People ask me about this a lot. Um, I never target exercise my core ever. Um, that's my personal, it's what works for me. <laughs> I do a lot of very heavy weightlifting in my arms and my legs. And I know that that exercise is my core. I also blow my nose a lot. And I think that that does it too. <laughs> Stephanie. I'm just, I'm just saying, um, such a Stephanieism, and, and I dance and I dance. So, um, yeah, dancing will do it. You know, I don't like, I don't do planks. I don't do planks. That's not a thing. I mean, and again, I think for some people like targeted core exercise is very called for specifically when you have like a balancing issue, right? You're trying to work on your posture. You're trying to X, Y, and Z. Awesome. Um, but I think for a lot of people, general public isn't like trying to find a, you know, fix a specific thing. Um, moving heavy stuff around, uh, does, does work your core, um, you know, as a byproduct. So anyway, I'll just say that, but that's not relevant to this. This is totally not relevant to this question. <laughs> I blow my nose. Bye. Um, <laughs> why don't you make, why don't you make that one of the like little graphics uh, yeah, to put on Instagram? <laughs> Stephanie yeah. Rupert, everybody. I don't do ab exercises, but I do blow my nose a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. I okay, love bye. it. It's the dancing. Okay. So one of the things that I think is really important, just as a special PSA, stop sucking in your stomach. So there's two um, things that I find this in ways that, that people do this way too often. One, people think engaging your core is sucking in your stomach, and that's not engagement. That's just sucking in your stomach. Um, that's not necessarily when we're talking about engagement, we're talking about actual recruitment of the muscles that can be hard to do. And it's hard to explain over a podcast. And I this is why I do find um, PTs to be incredibly helpful. The right PT to be incredibly helpful because they're going to be like, that's it. You're, you're engaging. And I needed, I even needed that help after my children because I had all the issues with my pelvic floor. Um, 
So one, women, women and men think that sucking in is engaging and that's not. So they tend to do that in exercise. You should not be doing that in exercise. Think of you, if you think of like, if you had a balloon in your, in your cap, in your internal, your torso, your, your internal cavity, you, it, when you suck in, what are you doing? You're putting pressure. What would happen to that balloon? The balloon would be squeezed in the center. You'd be putting pressure up on your diaphragm and down on your pelvic floor. Also, just the act of holding something or tightening something isn't actual strengthening. It could be causing poor engagement and weakening other muscles around it. For example, doing a bicep curl. If you were to do the bicep curl, you see the contraction happening. You're using stability uh, and you're recruiting multiple muscles. And then if, what if you were just to hold that dumbbell up at the very top? That's just, that's just, that's just holding a dumbbell at the top. So you, you actually need to be able to um, contract, lower it and bring it back up. So multiple reasons why sucking in stinks. Another reason that women suck in what you mentioned, Sarah, is that people think they need to suck in their stomach. I get it. I do. I have done this and it, I get it. It's, it's just conditioned in us to have a flatter, flatter tummy. And that's so unfortunate. And it has created a lot of pelvic floor issues for women in general, because if you think about it, wherever you're listening to this right now, you're probably sitting, maybe you're standing, just relax your belly. Like you, we kind of all do it without even thinking about it. We kind of stay tight. We hold ourselves in. Whereas in reality, it's even, it's better for you to kind of just relax and let those muscles relax so that when you need to recruit them, you can, um, because that constant tension can cause issues in other areas, which was, which was a problem for me. Um, okay. So beginner friendly core stuff. What do you do when you have back issues? I have two exercises that I'll give you before I do that. I will preface it with this. Just because you've had a PT that didn't help you doesn't mean that another PT can't help you. So PTs are like doctors. If you find one that you don't, isn't really connecting with you or didn't help you get a second opinion, find somebody else. I have bounced around to a lot of PTs. There is, there's one that really helped me that finally got me out of my pain. And, um, actually two, uh, that came highly recommended. I had to pay out of pocket, but a lot of times, honestly, it's, I, it just, it just, I got to the point where it didn't matter. I would have given up anything. So, um, I did have to pay out of pocket to see this last guy that really helped me. And it was amazing. Um, I've had a few that, that haven't helped, but I did try to find a specific, even though you're 19 years post C-section, if you have had a baby or you have held a baby, you've, you know, it's, like your pelvic floor has been impacted, not held a baby in your arms, held a baby in your, in your uterus. Um, your pelvic floor has been impacted. And so it is important for women to learn how to have that rehab, especially after a C-section C-section is intense, sir, like intense surgery. And we've, our core is so crucial to how we move and exist in the world. And we have got to be able to learn proper body mechanics after we go through traumatic things like birth and C-sections. It's, it's, it's just, it should be worked into the current model and it's not, it's worked into 
good models, but um, the conventional models, it's ignored. You're given, you know, six weeks, you're told to go and you couldn't, it, you're not ready, believe me. So um, I would love it if maybe you could see somebody who is a pelvic floor specific um, PT to help you or just a different PT that really is like renowned for helping people with low back pain. That's who I, somebody I found somebody in Philly. I have a great recommendation if you're close to Philadelphia area. Um, and I like fought to get in with her. I waited and it took a few months, but like I got in with her and she helped me tremendously. And I learned a lot in those sessions. I learned recruitment, but I also learned that even if everybody tells you that the core exercises you should be doing for low back pain are glute bridges and extension exercises and whatever, uh, clamshells, but that increases your pain, don't do it. You don't need to push through the pain. I have, I have, you know, done many exercises and it was so helpful to just outsource it and put it in somebody else's hand and be like, this doesn't feel good. And they were like, cool, we're not doing it because for me, I'm always like, well, everybody says I should be doing this. And if, if it's not working for you, then don't do it. So you've got to tailor your exercises to your pain and what makes you feel better. Also, if you do PT for six weeks, don't expect it to solve all your problems. This may be something that you have to do for six weeks, plus another six months, plus another year. Uh, I had to do, I still do some of my PT exercises, but for the most part, I had to do my PT exercises for a full year and a half before I felt like, wow, my core is engaging again. I'm not in chronic back pain. And now I can move on to other things like Steph was saying, like my squats and push-ups and things that are you know, I, I think the, the bro science is like, you don't need to do core. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're doing core and your squats, but if you're doing squats and you're not properly engaging your core, then that's not good core work. So you've got to be able to learn how to one engage, but two do the basics, do the small things so that you learn how to engage, you do strengthen your, your core. And I'm not just talking about your ab muscles. I'm talking about your entire core, um, to include like, you know, your, the small, tiny little stabilizers in your back and the, the, the you know, muscles on, on the, think of, you know, the side and even your pelvic floor. Like, how do you engage your pelvic floor when you're doing a squat? Like, that's something that you need to be thinking about. So, and it will happen naturally as you get better at engaging and as you get stronger doing squats. But now, and, you know, talking to my PT, he said, you know, you'll get to a point where your normal workouts will be reinforcement of your PT work. So you don't have to do the PT work as much. And that's where I'm at right now. But if I were to have gotten in pain or do anything like that, you know, I would go back to the, my, my movements, my core movements. So two that I can think of that I do think are generally great for everybody. Uh, one is bird dog. It's on all four. So it's not on your back. And you lift one leg up and straighten it and the other arm up and straighten it. And then you like at the same time, opposite arm and leg, bring it back down, opposite arm and leg, bring it back down. Um, and you can look at it. It's very popular. You can just Google it. And then the second one I really love is pull-off presses. So you would just get a band, get a very, very lightweight band. I'm talking like five to 10 pounds of, of weight and you just, you have to kind of anchor it. You can close it into a door and stand, or you can do it kneeling. So just put something under your knees, close it into a door. And, or if you have like a hook, like I, I just kind of like screwed a hook into the wall, and put it on there. Um, or you could like loop it onto, I had a, um, 
in my kitchen. I have a, uh, what do you call those high top kind of tables? And I would, I would put it on that leg, um, the leg of the high, I would tie a knot around the, the high top table and get on my knees. And then, so what all you have to do is hold the band in front of your chest, press it out directly out in front of you, extend your arms and then bring it back. Again, look up Paul off press with the band. Um, you can do tall kneeling. So in other words, you're you're kneeling, not on your sitting down kneeling, but tall kneeling. Or you can do it standing. Um, so those are two really great, like full encompassing core workouts. But again, the fact that you can't lay on your back and do anything is a little bit worrisome to me. I think you can. You should be able to get there with proper help. Um, for example, you can just lay on your back and properly engage your core. And hold that for two to three seconds and let go. And once you get the proper body mechanics, you shouldn't be in pain as much. But again, that's going to take help with somebody who's very knowledgeable and can like speak to your case. But for now, I think I I still do bird dogs. I just did them today. I do planks and I do side planks, but I do them properly. Um, Again, proper engagement is key. And I do poloff presses. I haven't done them in a while. Clamshells are really great, though. I do love a good clamshell. Um, and that's been really helpful in just getting your, my glutes activated and glutes strong again, because that plays a huge role in your core strength. So that's what I got. Anything else staff? I was super impressive. Very cool that my approach to weightlifting is bro science, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, did I, well, did I, I don't say- really, I was like, I don't do core exercises and no, you're like, well, so the, bro, the bro science is like, don't do core. No, exercises. because you're already there, but see, I don't either. But I don't either. So like, because you're there, you know, you're already there. You already have a strong core. You've already Mm. like slowly. And it's true. Like that has some truth to it. But bro science to me is like sort of you kind of ignore all other special cases and you're just like, lame, (laughs) lame. Don't do core. Like just do squats. You know what I mean? And so it just it's kind of like, I agree. I agree. Okay, dude. Okay. (laughs) Um, like it's not, that's not how it works for everybody, you know, and you get yeah. it, but, but Dan, you know, the dancing is an incredible core workout that's as well as blowing your nose, but, <laughs> but dancing and stuff like, like laughing. Yeah. Remember when people, people used to be like, oh, well, like if you laugh once you burn a calorie. And so people, was that, that was like a thing in high school. So oh, we're all no. like, yeah, like ha, 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 all the time. I'm not recommending laughing as a core exercise. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing right now. Okay. <laughs> Just FYI. Listen up for a new offer for free electrolytes for everyone, even if you've already made a purchase. When you are dehydrated, you need more than just water. Your body also needs minerals. That's because water absorption in your cells is dependent upon electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and you lose electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom and you have to replenish them through food and supplementation. If you're active or you follow a whole foods diet or you're stressed and struggling with adrenal dysfunction, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. Deficiencies can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances, or those stars when you go from seated to standing, especially on workout days, which was my experience. I let that go on for far too long, and now that I replace my electrolytes, I can tell you that I have not had that happen in so long. I also have much better recovery and can handle more workouts. Element is by far the best electrolyte supplementation 
Coming from somebody who spent years in the endurance world, I can say that confidently. They make grab-and-go electrolyte replacement with no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. It's travel-friendly, too, and great for kids. My kids love it. We even took it with us on vacation. And everyone gets a free gift with purchase. Element comes in boxes of 30, and there is free shipping on all orders. And now, all orders will get a free 8-pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. And make sure to use our code wellfed for the free sample 8-pack. Again, that's drinklmnt.com element.com forward slash well-fed. Okay. Last question is from Jazz. She says, people often say hindsight is twenty twenty. What are some things you wish you knew before you first started changing your food and or exercising more in the name of health? And what are the most common mistakes you see people make? I do not have enough time in my entire life <laughs> to, to- to answer this question in full. I seriously, throughout this whole podcast, I've been looking at it going like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Everything. There's Mm. so, there's so much, there's so much. Um, It's really hard for me to pick. (sighs) I think first and foremost, understanding that not everything that works for other people is going to work for me. A, huge. (laughs) B, B, if I'm doing something and it's not working, the solution isn't necessarily do it harder. (laughs) Like it could be, you know what I mean? But sometimes you're like, Mm. you start fasting and you're like, oh, this 10 hour window wasn't working for me. So I should increase it to 14 or not. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times you think, or like, oh man, I cut carbs to 50, but it's not working to me. So I should cut them to 25, like, or not. Um, That's, that's really important. I think knowing that um, restricting food intake has both biochemical effects that like make it that slow my metabolism, you know, slow my thyroid, that slow my metabolism and make me hungry. <laughs> and that uh, also psychologically make me even more obsessed with food. Like knowing those things would have saved me so, and the people who were listening to me at the time, right, would have saved so much. And I, I regret that a lot, you know, would have saved so much um, suffering on my part. I think, um, I think really so much understanding that, um, not making myself feel deprived and dissatisfied is so important. Like, because the more, if you ever feel deprived or dissatisfied, that's going to come back and bite you. Like it does like your dopamine. (laughs) That's a thing. And your like hunger signaling hormones and all that. Like when you feel physically and emotionally deprived, like that comes back. And I'm not saying, you know, whatever, like everybody do you, (laughs) but generally speaking, like that's, that's, that's so huge for me. Um, I love the way I eat now and I, I, the way I feel satisfied now, it took a very long time. I think it's also, well, it's been so important for me to get out of this, like to understand that all cultures have food norms and there are ways in which our inborn drives for tasty food have been like heinously hijacked by industry, like period, you know? And, oh man, just, uh, I I really, I don't like playing those cards of being like, I lived abroad. So, but I just, when I go to the supermarket and there's just aisle and aisle and aisle of the brightest color packaging and the biggest things and the most late in this, when I came back and looked at the airport and I saw, 
so hysterical. Mm. I took a photo. Scone. It said scone. Okay. It said scone. In England, which is where scones are from, like a scone is half the size of my palm, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. This scone was the size of my face. And not just like, and like it had depth, you know, it was like, um, like it was too heavy. Like I, I could have lifted it as a weight, like scone, you know, right. like overhead press. It was so large. And my, I was like, oh, I'll get a medium coffee. I cannot find a coffee. I, I know we're not video chatting right now. This is just, like, I cannot find a coffee bigger than like eight ounces, 12 yeah. ounces to save your life in France, to save your life. And I got a medium coffee and I was like, I'm not this is the biggest drink I've held in in three months. And so like, we're just, we're conditioned to think that like satisfaction comes from more and wow. Yeah. Like more quantity and even, and more flavor too. And this also ties back to what we're talking about recently about satisfaction and food and intentionally stepping off that train. And it's really, it's really, it can be really hard at first to like, you know, Generally speaking, it's like coming home to myself and having patience and learning how to like inhabit my being and with the rhythms and the foods that work for me and getting rid of all the BS of, you know, what we're told, um, both on both sides and the diet culture and the overwhelming, like must eat everything all the time culture. So, yeah, it's really interesting. The similarities between like conventional, like you said it, like everybody's looking for a buck. Right. And so we see all these sales tactics on the traditional standard American diet. And we see it so readily with diet culture as well. Like Mm -hmm. everybody is trying to make a buck off of you. And they do it when you feel bad, bad about yourself, whether if it's because, you know, you're trying to lose weight or whatever, you know, like that's huge too. And Mm so while we're talking about food, like opting out of visual media where image where bodies are portrayed in certain ways. Like that's also just so enormous and surrounding myself with people who are like focused on like health instead of the way I look, you know, health. Yes. You know, yeah, brain like, health. How do you feel weight lifting for brain health? I love <laughs> that. I want my brain to be awesome for as long as I can. You know, mm-hmm. that's so important to me and that's my priority now. Um, so yeah, anyway. I love that. Yeah. I, I, you know, all the similar things I will say that I wish I, I, I wish I knew that more is not better. And oftentimes more is what gets you into, you know, more stress, more injury, like Mm, more just excessive, every more problems. Yeah. More problems. And that is really what I feel was at the root of a lot of my, um, a lot of my issues, a lot of my issues with like physically, like I, I do have, like, if I could go back and change things, I would, I would not exercise in the way that I was because maybe my body would be a lot, maybe there'd be a lot. And I, you know, I, I've learned a lot in the process, but I would have loved to have kept some of that resilience as opposed to running my body into the ground. And for what, because I thought I needed to keep doing it because I thought, more is better. And I need to keep burning the calories. And that was sort of the, the school of thought was that you've got to keep doing it. You got to do it every day. And you, you've, you know, it's, it's all about calories in calories out. And so I know that that has a place in, in some parts, the amount that you eat does matter, but if you're taking care of yourself and your health and you're eating 
quality foods, like we talk about in our book and you're doing quality movement, it shakes out and your body is, is where it needs to be. You don't have to force it. You don't have to hyper control your body. Your body actually is, wants to be healthy, wants to be, wants to be healed. Like your metabolism wants to run. It does. It wants to work. And so we just have to support it. We just have to put the inputs in that allow it to, to operate optimally and not and properly manage stress. I wish I would have seen stress, not just I'm stressed Mm -hmm. about doing my work or I'm stressed about this test. I wish I would have saw it as you are exposing your body to stress every time you go out for a run or every time you do a high intensity workout or every time that you are not eating when you are hungry, you are exposing your body to stress and that is depleting. And that is going to, you know, you can only do that for so long before it bites you in the butt and you're not doing anything to replenish. So I like having, you know, I, I do, I love the balance that I have now and and the mindset that I have now, because I, it frees up my mental space so much. Mm. It's, it's amazing how naturally my body exists where it needs to exist without me having to do much. Like <laughs> it's just like that's fair enough. Yeah. Like I, it, it just is, it's amazing to me how much diet culture wants you to believe that you have to be, you know, hyper controlling absolutely everything. And you have to work out five days a week and it, it's just not true. So mm-hmm. I do feel like that that was kind of at the root of a lot of my personal struggles, mental struggles. And also like I spent so much time trying to hack my emotional, my emotional eating when really I was just (laughs) starving myself, you know, yep. (laughs) if you don't, if you don't eat, if you under eat and you don't eat sufficiently and you're not eating carbohydrates and you're not eating good quality fats, you're not eating the things that your body so desperately needs. You will crack out on almond butter. Like you will Oh, you will go. I can't control myself at night. That's because your body needs food. It's starving. It's mental. It's emotional. Your brain triggers things like it's going to happen and it doesn't stop until you actually feed yourself. So, you know, I just, it, it, I wish I could have just been like, hello, you're starving yourself. Stop wasting literally years of your life trying to figure out why you can't control your food at night. Like, (laughs) oh man, I wish y'all on video, you could have seen her face when she said that. Yeah. Same, same. Absolutely. And like health is so much, you know, this whole like diet culture thing, health is so much about what you include. And we just have this idea of, it's all about like taking things out. You know, it's all about, Mm -hmm. it's all about the hard stuff. Like you said, like it's all about willpower and effort and stuff that you Mm -hmm. can fail at. So people can take advantage of your motivation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, how do I hack my motivation? I'm like, well, Step one might be like needing less of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know? Right. you know, and then you, then you can send it somewhere else, which is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> so anything super else? Fun. Anything else from you? No, no, felt really good to say all that. So thanks. Good. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, great. Well, for more from Stephanie Helptonpower.com, you can follow her on Instagram at Stephanie.Ruper. I am at Coconuts and Kettlebells on the Insta. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. 